Obamacare. The very sound of it makes many of us cringe because we know our choices have been limited and the premiums just keep going up every year. We send our money to big insurance companies who cover elective abortions and profit from us while we struggle to make the monthly payments. Aren't you ready to break free from the shackles of high-cost health care? Please meet my friends at the Alliance for Shared Health. Ash for short. Ash is a health share ministry with over 40,000 households participating. They integrate best in class healthcare access solutions with the health share world to solve the health care crisis. As a member, you share in the financial burden related to catastrophic health care expenses while also having your own needs met. It's so easy. You can access the virtual care provider at, at zero cost, pick up a prescription from the pharmacy using the share prescription card, and order expensive lab or imaging tests at discounts of 60 to 80%, conveniently accessed on your phone via the Share mobile app. Not only is ASH helping U.S. residents break free from government-controlled health care, ASH is an international health share ministry. $1 per household per month connects members to its East African health share predecessor, where thousands and thousands of lives are being saved through the ASH-funded pediatric hospital in the remote villages. With open enrollment here, now is your chance to save 50 to 70% on your monthly premiums while making a difference in the lives of so many in need. Reach out to Ash today. Visit ashcommunity.org. That's ashcommunity.org. Alliance for Shared Health. Changing healthcare, changing lives. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom, righteously American. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Your hostess with the most is Stacy on the right. Go to familyvisionmedia.com and find out more. Listen, we have so much going on uh, in our world right now. And I think a perspective from a pastor, someone who leads a flock and shepherds people and guides them and preaches and teaches the word of God is exactly what all of us are looking for. We need that shot in the arm of faith and the ability to weather what is currently a a true storm of sorts. And that is um, getting a no, because I know so many millions of Americans prayed diligently and repeatedly for the reelection of President Donald Trump. And now that it's clear that's happening, we have we couple options. We can, as I've seen people actually commented on some of my posts on Facebook, they're not praying anymore because they didn't get the answer to prayer. God didn't answer. I know from my own personal faith walk that when God says no to me, the thing on the other side of that no is so much better. The, the plan that he has for me is so much better and that he is sovereign. And as his child, I absolutely have to be willing to hear him say no so that I can see what plan he actually has for me. So it's not that said no and that's the end of it. It's okay, not right now. No, this is not what's going to happen. Something else is on the horizon for us as a nation, as uh, members of our society, as Christians, as parents and daughters and you know grandparents and grandkids, as, as the people that we are, God has something more for us to do. So with that, it's my pleasure to welcome Pastor Jeremy Mills of Promise Church, Grovetown, Georgia. Thank you so much for coming on today. PromiseChurchUPC.com. Pastor, thank you for coming on today. Thank you, Stacey. I appreciate it. It's been a real pleasure to uh, to talk to you. Looking forward to it. So I'm I'm 
I'm wondering, first off, when God says no to us, what is the appropriate response as a Christian? Um, obviously, it's not to say, well, I'm not going to pray anymore. It's it's far deeper than that. We have something we're supposed to do. You know what? I believe that when the Lord says no, our response is yes, <laughs> because his word uh, is final. His decision is final. Um, whether or not we accept the will of God, uh, God did give us the ability to make our own choices. Um, we can push and try to make things happen on our own, but that's exactly what's going to happen. We're going to be on our own, and on our own is not a good place to be. It isn't. And, you know, on our own is the thing that usually <laughs> usually drives us to look for uh, the truth. We're driven to the Savior when we realize I'm on my own and I'm really messing this up. I need help. And then usually that's when, when you're ready, that's when that friend, coworker, you might be in church, wherever you are, you feel the prick of the Holy Spirit and you come to Jesus Christ. So we know we don't want to be on our own. Um, we have to say yes to the answer that we've been given. What does that look like for us as Christians? Because I, I know I, w- I was in prayer groups where we were meeting regularly, praying for President Trump, for wisdom, praying for the administration, praying for America, yeah. praying for people on the left to see the light on you know, the, the evils and genocide of abortion and so many right. other things, lots of prayer. We know that our prayers don't just go out into the void. And if it's unanswered, it doesn't mean that God didn't hear it or that there isn't currently a plan for that prayer to be answered. It just means in our current, you know, 24 hour where we live, where we're constrained by time and space and, you know, physical limitations, what we see is nothing's happening or we see a no, but God has so much more than that. He, he is, and you hit the nail on the head. God is not relegated by time. Um, he looks at time. He is on the outside of time. That does give me hope um, because the Lord can take things out of my future <laughs> that would be detrimental. He can add things to my future that would be beneficial. And and God knows the end from the beginning. He said, I am the first, the last. Uh, he is everything. He is everything and in between, and we must trust we must certainly trust him. During this time in America, it is unprecedented. It is confusing. And for a lot, it is frustrating on both sides. But uh, God's still in control. He's still, he is still God, but he still gives us that choice. And so we as, as conservatives and we as Christians, if there's ever been a day that we need to stand and make our voices heard in the streets, in the, in the courtrooms, and uh, in our churches, it is today, that is for sure. So speaking of making our voices heard, um, there's some there's some censorship going on. And in, in just in my own study and what I'm hearing from, you know, the, the Bible studies that I'm in, I'm hearing that the timeline that we're on, the place in the timeline, is that persecution will ramp up, censorship will ramp up, the freedoms that we have come to take for granted as Americans those things may become, uh, you know, very constrained or even look a lot differently in the coming days and months and even years. And so as Christians, it's our job to observe things as they are, not to remain, you know, stuck in the past or to wish for something different and then to deal with the situation at hand. So what is the first thing as Christians that we should be concerned with when we see our country turning in the wrong direction 
um, I have a feeling you're not going to say politics. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. You know, I, I thought about the Sunday school lesson that we learned early on, and there is a about David and Goliath. The situation that we have seems to be massive, overtaking, insurmountable. It just, just blows our mind. But let me tell you something that we can learn from this Bible lesson. David never referred to Goliath as a giant. He called him an uncircumcised Philistine. He, he said what he was, but he never said and referred to him as being large or overwhelming or anything of that nature. And I see today that if we focus on how large and big and scary, then all that does is feed fear and hopelessness. I refuse to look at the situation of America as as a time in which that that is it. They can censor Facebook and Twitter and all these programs and forms of media and tell, but there's one thing they cannot censor, and that is my personal voice and my personal testimony that I share day to day in live person, real time with those around me. Uh, I feel like that um, we should use every form of media until it goes away to the last drop um, and do everything we can to keep it there. But I will always, always preach and reach for people in my personal testimony that cannot be censored, that cannot be stopped, and the power of my personal experience and the power of my testimony every day in real life people, that is where it's going to have to happen. If if everything is censored and it does look that it's 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 leaning it's very quickly in that direction, um it, we have to go back to a grassroots revival, um, to a back to a a a time in which the Spirit of God leads us to physical people in our communities to reach them in real time right where they are. And I believe that that's, it, it, it seems like taking a step back. It doesn't seem like we're reaching as many and getting the message out. But if all of us do that, then I certainly believe that we can start turning the tide or keep, keep it uh, right in America. So you said something I think is so important, and that is, we're not to be concerned with the results, but even more than that, we have a responsibility to keep going, whether we think we're we're winning at it or, or, or how can I put this? It, whether or not we feel like we've been censored or uh, the, the left is doing something to us that is against our rights, we have an obligation to say at, at all times, you know, I'm still going forward and sharing the gospel. I'm still doing what I need to do. And that that starts right now. Um, we actually have a responsibility to say, I'm going to safeguard my emails by, you know, getting an alternative email to my Gmail or my accounts that are owned by the tech oligarchs. Right. Um, yeah. Maybe your business or your church has a, you know, your servers for your website are currently with 
GoDaddy or one of these mainstream sites that is cracking down on conservatives. So you have to find a private server farm, start your own yep. server farm, whatever you need to do. So these these are precautions that we need to take. And it's not that's not unbiblical for us to say, I need to put a hedge around my ability to earn a, a living or to uh, promote my business or to run my, my church or my ministry. Now is the time to do that, not later, right? That, that is exactly right. And you said something, talk about building a hedge. And it was so amazing. We, each year, um, the first part of the year, we put out a, we cast vision for our church. You know, this year, I feel like the direction of the church for our local community is, you know, such and such and whatever. Um, I, I be honest, I felt the, the pressure uh, because it was just simply 2020 and it went real easy <laughs> with casting vision and hope and catching a new vision for 2020. And a lot of my preacher friends were, were going in that direction. And, and if that's the way they felt like for their local community, then, you know, that, that was fine. But I'm going to tell you what I felt. And I preached to our church, Promise Church here in right outside of Augusta um, for 2020. I preached on Nehemiah, and it seemed so weird. I said, I feel like 2020 is the year of walls. I said, there's ever been a time that we need to build up our walls to keep uh, our relationship with God protected and our families protected. Uh, it is. It was 2020, and it just, it, it, it turned out to be, I, I, was, I felt like I was exactly right. And if 2020 was that way, 2021 certainly is the year we need to put another stone on the wall and keep the righteousness of God in our homes, in our families, in our children. Now, there always needs to be, again, the testimony, but we better secure, like you said, build up the hedge so that we do have that voice and we keep what God has given to us um, close, close by. I, I really, really believe. So looking at other opportunities, um, for our servers, yes, um, that's not my expertise, but I certainly see the benefit in that for sure, and it does concern me. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of us, um, if you're like an action person where you you kind of want God to give you an assignment when you see things going, you know, this way or that, obviously we sh we should pray, we should fast, we should meditate on God's word, but in the practical, you want to get busy with your hands and feel like, okay, Lord, I'm you know I'm doing this because you've commanded me thus, and so uh, putting a hedge around our our social media or you know for some of us it's just maybe disconnecting from some of the social media. Um, right. I, I was just thinking about it when when Twitter deleted President Trump. Uh, you know what, Pastor? It made me think. The first thing I thought was, "Oh, I wonder how necessary it is for me to be on Twitter." <laughs> you know, and I, I, yeah. I use it for work. Um, I've, I saw a lot of people post, "Well, without President Trump here, I don't need to be here." And tens of thousands of people have left the platform because yeah. of the censorship. And the point that was driven home is that it, if he doesn't have to be there and you're going on to get news and information from him, there are other places you can get news and information. Twitter isn't the only place, so you don't actually have to be on there. It's a, it's a huge blow for them to make that statement themselves. Usually businesses don't tell customers, you don't need me, move along. <laughs> but that's the right. effect of what they did. Absolutely. You know, and I think that this is going to create actually a great opportunity for smaller platforms to just grow exponentially this year. Yeah. And, and so, again, 
in every negative thing, God provides, sometimes it's a silver lining, sometimes it's a bucket of silver, sometimes it's a bucket of gold, because there are so many people out there who may be out of work, or maybe they're worried about being canceled themselves. This is an opportunity to start businesses. We need drip email systems, right? Because uh, MailChimp and other drip email servers, uh, they're tossing off their conservative customers. So everywhere you look, where there's censorship, there's an opportunity for Christians to create businesses to provide a service to those who are currently being shut down by the mainstream. So the, the, I want us to look for that within what's happening because God is not done with us. He's not leaving us to the wolves. Even though it looks pretty terrible, we right. are still under his care. Yes, we are. And I, I think you're absolutely right. I think Americans, I believe in the ingenuity and the creativity of Americans. I think that people are going into 2021 wiser, smarter, more prepared. Um, And I think that there are new opportunities, even in myself. um, I have have readjusted the way that we did online services from just doing it off my phone. I have learned how to buy cameras and edit and uh, upload and editing and I've, I've lighting and sound. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, oh my. And then that has opened up an actual business opportunity for me that would have never happened had it not been for this. And another ministry is born. And so if it happened for me on accident, simply because of the pandemic on having to go online, then certainly it is happening all across our nation. Um, you know, one thing that, that I feel like is very, very important is for us just to be who we are, unapologetic, real, God-fearing, America-loving people, uh, and let that shine forth uh, each and every day. It is just going to have to happen, and I believe that will. It, I, again, I don't see it as a giant like David. I just see it as an opportunity uh, where sin abound, grace does much more abound. So you said something about... Um... David and Goliath, you said David never called Goliath, who was a legitimate giant, especially in comparison to the Jewish people who are normally like they're, you know, smaller people in general. Um, But they have this huge giant and everyone's sitting around in the camp. And this is one of my favorite lessons that we went over in Bible study fellowship, because I'm sitting there with a group of women who are. Uh, maybe there's 15 of us. And so with 15 people, you're going to get so many different perspectives. And so we're sitting there and we're talking about this lesson. And our leader, the group leader is going around and asking us, you know, what did you get out of that, that passage? And I can't remember who it was, but someone said, well, I noticed that the adults were all woe is me sitting in the camp, basically paralyzed with fear. Yeah. And David shows up and he's still technically a child. He's a sheep herder. He's scruffy. He probably doesn't smell great. He shows up with a bag of groceries and here's the name of the Lord being defamed by this Philistine. And he instantly snaps into warrior mode and yells out, who is he to defame the name of our God? I will strike him down. And so his instant posture, because he spent all of his time with God, he's out in the fields with the sheep. He's singing praises, writing, writing all of these Psalms, singing of the goodness of God. You know, any laments he had, he shared them. He just was so in touch with God. And so his automatic response to hearing someone even think about saying something bad about God was that that person had to be silenced because that was not something he was going to put up with hearing. And I think about us in the times that we live in, how often we will sit and allow someone to defame the name of our God 
or yeah. to put things out there that are untrue. Instead of just saying, we don't have to smite them in the head with a smooth stone. We just say, <laughs> that's not true. That I, I've been amazed at how often I think I have to have something elaborate to say. But when a lie goes out into the atmosphere and I'm there, all I have to say is that's not true. And when you say it, you don't have to be authoritative. You don't have to be loud. If you say that's not true, the person who's speaking will look right at you. And in that moment, they have to decide if their evidence for what they're saying is strong <laughs> enough to go against you. And oftentimes they'll just say, well, agree to disagree. And then you can right. just say, here's why that's not true. And then leave it. There's no argument. There's, I've been surprised how often, if I will just say those three words, how often God will, he just shuts it right down. All you have to do is call it out, just like David did. He said, this Philistine will not defame my God. He didn't wait. They wanted to put armor on him. He was like, this armor is too big for me. I can't run with this stuff. I need to run to sling my, my, my slingshot. He goes and picks out three little stones, like he might have to throw it more than once. And the first stone hits the mark. And then he decapitates that thing because he said he would. <laughs> so we have our example in the Bible. Many, many times little people have gone up against the biggest, baddest enemies. And every time the spirit of the Lord has carried them through. So how much more will God do that for us now? Because nothing has changed from then to now. The miracles can still happen. Uh, the truth still cuts going in and coming out. The word of God never returns void. Nothing has changed. So can we not still as Christians today, operate our little David smooth stones up against the Philistines, who are tech oligarchs, leftists, mainstream media, whoever it is. Can we not still operate in that? Absolutely. And you know what you said something about the armor. I preached a sermon um, entitled this, concerning Saul, he would rather lend his armor than lead his army. And Saul was was more he was more apt to lend his armor than he was to lead his army. I don't want to get to the place where I'm lending off what God's given me to protect uh, my family and my country. Um, I'm not going to lend my armor, and I am going to lead my army. And you're absolutely right. What America needs is an outpouring of the spirit. They need a revival of hope. Uh, they need a revival of peace, a revival of joy. Um, my experience um, cannot be taken. My testimony cannot be legislated away. No law can pass to, or stop the hope that I have. My, my, you know, my joy is not the product of the economy. No politician has the source of my purpose. My purpose is in Christ in Christ alone. I, I, I thought about this morning, the book of Acts 17, 6, the scripture says, that these have turned the world upside down are come unto us. <laughs> and I'm telling you today, if the church would rise, spirit-filled, God-led, empowered by the Holy Ghost, and truth, there's nothing that can stop the kingdom of God. And they that have turned the world upside down have come unto us, Acts 17.6. If they turn the world upside down, surely we, the God-called, God-filled, spirit-filled, truth-believing, God-believing people can turn our nation upside down with an outpouring of the Spirit of God. Because of our testimony, because of the power of truth is absolute, 
and the more that our world shifts over into a postmodern society that just truth is relative and there's no what is true and what is absolute well you know they may be questioning but I'm not and I know that there can be and will be a revival America has had revival many times we to, to name two you can look back in the history books and there was a revival uh, in the Cane Ridge revival in Paris Kentucky 40 some thousand people came out during that time. The Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles, just to name a few. America has seen their awakening, their spiritual awakening. It's when people got hungry for a move of God. Uh, America has never, uh, in my lifetime, in my lifetime, has ever been more unified and a sense of patriotism is right after 9-11. Certainly, we don't want anything like that to happen again. But there needs to be an awakening of the Spirit of God, the sleeping giant called the church. And people of God must arise, not be intimidated, not be be intimidated to be censored, uh, not be intimidated to be looked upon. But we are we are what makes this world float. It is the is the church, the ecclesia, the called out, the redeemed ones. And so I just I refuse to call it a giant. I'm just looking at it as, as an opportunity for the Spirit of God. Uh, to move in in uh, in our in our nation, I certainly believe that. I, I'm not going to lend my armor. I'm just going to lead my army. Mm, okay, so Pastor Mills, yes, you have just called it all out, and I'm 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 hoping again. I'll just call out again, as I did on our last podcast, for people to share this. Send the link to someone that you feel needs to hear this. He's just given you. Pastor Mills has just given you. He's called you out. He's he's energized you. He's equipped you. Um, the spirit of David lives on in all of us. And we are, as children of God, we are his army here. We are his royal priesthood called forward for such a time as this. We're not in this time in 2021 by accident. We all have something that we're called to do. And Pastor Mills has just told you how to get it done. Uh, so Pastor Jeremy Mills, Promise Church, Grovetown, Georgia, PromiseChurchUPC.com. It is such a pleasure to have had you on today. I hope to talk to you again soon. That's all that we have for you today. Check us out at familyvisionmedia.org and stacyontheright.com. We'll be back with more after this.